everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, we are kicking off a new series called Keeping It 100. My sons in the back of our car got into an argument on the proper, how we were going to pronounce this phrase. And uh, Aaron, being our uh, kid that pretty much, he, he really loves rap a lot, he goes, Zaya, it's keeping it 100, not 100. And uh, so they had that, you know, I'll let you guys figure out based on your cultural context how you want to say it, you know. Sometimes just the most awkward thing is having people try to say things in a certain way that is not natural to them and it's just awkward. So we'll just say keeping it 100 for the general public. Uh, And if you want to put a little extra hot sauce on it, feel free. God bless you. Uh, But the whole point of this series is really to hone in on truth. You see, There are no shortages of opinions all around us. Like whether you want to argue or discuss, you know, anything from life's deep questions like why are we here to what is the best regional barbecue in the country? Like there's no shortage of opinions. And we love opinions in our, in our nation, in our culture, especially in the U.S. We thrive and we feed and we create tons of apps to not only get other people's opinions, but share our opinions. The whole review section, when you think about Yelp, when you think about uh, Rotten Tomatoes, you, when, whether it comes to movies, or the restaurants we go to or Angie'sList.com, the plumbers that we select, there is a never-ending stream of talking heads and people that want to tell you what is this and what is that and what's the best one and no, it's not the best one. And for some of these things, it's just kind of like, it's not really that big deal, right? Like the stakes aren't that high. You know, if if you get a bad review, if you follow, you know, a review that said this restaurant was good, you go, you pick it for date night. Worst case scenario, you go, you're like, eh, didn't really like this. I mean, I, like, I hate paying money for bad food. So like, I'll just sit there in the restaurant and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. And they, especially the fancy restaurants where like they bring you it out and you thought this was going to be this grand appetizer and it's like two little things with some drizzle. I'm like, where's the rest? Those are like two bites. Y'all can keep the drizzle. Um, You know, but worst case scenario, right, you just, you don't go there again. You pick another one. But there's other issues. There's other topics. There are other eternal truths that the stakes are higher, right? Like, they have eternal proportions. They, they affect not only us, but they affect the generations to come. And when it comes to those things, it can become quite overwhelming. It can become frustrating. It can become scary. Well, the good news is that God does not desire us to walk in confusion. He actually doesn't want us to just wander aimlessly in being overwhelmed by fear. And he, he hasn't called us to live a life that's just this big Russian roulette where we just hope it works out for us. He actually has given us his truth. He's made himself known to us. And so 
this morning and for the next few weeks, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this truth. We're going to look at what does God say about some of the things that are most important to us. This morning, my main text that I want to draw from and we're going to start out in is in John. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Any of my homeschoolers who are in classical conversations are very familiar with this. Um, but uh, if, we, if you would, go ahead and open up to, chapter, uh, to John chapter 1. We're going to start right here. Let me read this up in here. It says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life that was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Lord, help us this morning. Lord, through all of the filters of the world around us. Lord, all of the filters of our own upbringing and hurts and offenses. Lord, help us to cut through all of that and to see you, to see your word the way you desire for us to see it. Lord, help me to communicate your truth. Lord, help me to preach this word with conviction and clarity. Lord, may you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Gabby. All right, so when we talk about this issue, when we talk about this concept of truth and trying to sort things out, it really can become quite overwhelming. And, you know, I remember about three years ago, there was this event that had happened in our nation that had begun to rip at the seams of our culture, and it was putting people in this polarizing debate all about perception and color. Can you put that first slide up for me? The first image? Do we have an image? Okay. So the image that was going to be up there was an image of the famous 
polarizing issue of is the dress black and blue or gold and white? <laughs> How many black and blue people were in the room? Raise your hand. Gold and white people. Now, if you don't know about this picture, it's because God loves you and he spared your life. <laughs> but there was this picture that was circulating on the internet through social media, and this image was basically an image of a dress who, because of a different exposure of light, looked differently based on the way that you looked at it. And when I'm telling you, people would look at this dress, and folks were like on Facebook, if you don't see gold and white, unfriend me right now. You're crazy. And uh, people on the radio, everybody's freaking out, talking about this. And when you looked at it, of course, then you got all of the people. There we go right there. You see the dress. God help us with that dress. But then there were people who, of course, they started getting all philosophical and they post all these blogs where the reason that you see it this way is because, you know, uh, associative theory when it comes to colors and the way your eye processes things. And, you know, it was kind of like, you know, you see it because this is how your brain works and you see it because this is how your brain works and you're both right. Well, the real answer is no, you're not. Because then at the end of the day, what cut through all of the argument is when they actually went to the manufacturer of the dress. They looked to the person that actually made the dress. They looked at the website where the dress came from. We got receipts, right? And the dress was actually blue and black. You know what I'm saying? Blue and black. Some of y'all are like, I told you, honey. Y'all can sleep again. It's blue and black. And we can get so caught up in the perceptions. And the truth is, many of us, we get into intense arguments. Not just church versus unchurched people inside of the church. So many arguments, heated arguments, we get in because of the lenses and the light in which we're looking at things. And we get so caught up in our cultural arguments that we forget we actually have a receipt. We can go to the manufacturer. We can go to the creator, the designer himself, and cut through all the garbage and get to his truth. God has made himself known. He wants us to be able to walk in his truth. And that is why we come, and that is why we gather, and that's why we are committed to pursuing God's word. Because the last thing that any of you all in here need is another talking head just telling you something that's going to make you feel better about yourself, but just have no truth in it. There's plenty of things that make me feel real good about myself that aren't good for me. We want, we, ca we gather because his word is life. So that's what I want to focus on this morning. I want to talk about this truth. The first thing I want to communicate, and, and it's important, these foundational things that we understand and that we walk in them. The first thing is this. The truth is embodied in Jesus. God's word is true. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. God and his word, he is truth, and Jesus is the embodiment of that, the embodiment and the full containment of his word. If we want to pursue truth, we, have, we cannot pursue truth and not pursue Jesus. If you truly want to pursue truth, 
You will never fully understand truth unless you begin to know the person of Jesus Christ. In him is everything we need. In his word is everything we need. We believe that this word is the infallible word of God that the Holy Spirit moved and used men to write and to inscribe and to place these things in Scripture that would withstand the test of time. We believe that an all-knowing, all-powerful God all loved us so much and desired for us to walk in truth so deeply that he chose to sovereignly manifest himself and allow himself to be accessible A few, uh, a month ago, a little bit over a month ago, Kelly and I had the opportunity to go to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And I tell you, it was one of the most incredible experiences. I can't wait to go back. I would highly encourage you, if you ever get a chance to go to Washington, D.C., it is worth going. They say that there's so much in there, there's so much to explore, that it would take nine, eight-hour days to see everything. It's incredible. But one of the things that blew my mind, there was a floor, an entire floor dedicated to the impact of the Bible. And there's a section where you begin to see, you get to walk through how the Bible was, was, was um, written and how it was passed from generation to generation. You see this evolution and this uh, as, as technology would change and how technology would shift, one of the catalysts of ingenuity was how can we, in a better way, communicate the Scripture? It began being passed by oral tradition, and then scribes began to write it on scrolls, and then after a while it was too much. It was, it was, it was, not, it was too cumbersome to take all of these scrolls and to, to be able to carry them from village to village. You didn't get a whole Bible. Many times you would just have one scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, or you would have the scroll of the wisdom literature, or you'd have the scrolls of the Torah, but you didn't have the whole thing. And so they would eventually say, you know what, It'd be, what why don't we create this, this smaller version and it can be a little bit more compact, and that's where we get the codex from. All of the books, all of the books, the hardbacks, the paperbacks, the things that we see today were developed and innovated because of people thinking, how can we most effectively and more, uh, and, and make the word of God more widespread? And so at this Museum of the Bible, you see these individual codexes of the different handwritten books of the Bible. It just blew my mind thinking about, can you imagine being a village just getting your first chapter of God's holy word. And then eventually we see the development. They had a, a working Gutenberg press. Then a little bit further down, they had an actual scribe that had begun handwriting the Bible. He's going to write the entire Bible, begin handwriting the Bible as Jewish scribe. He started in Genesis in November, and he's still in Genesis. And as I started looking at this, I was blown away at the incredible lengths that God has gone at so that we would know that I love you so much, I want you to know me. I want you to know truth. And yet, probably every one of us in here, close to every one of us, there might be some teenagers who have a a little bit of restrictions, but even so, More than all of us probably have a smartphone in here that easily have access to thousands of hundreds of translations, concordances, 
incredible access to the Word of God. And yet, many times the most that we get is like the tweet of the day. Are y'all with me this morning? God has made himself known in his word, in the person of Jesus. He understands, he knows that we need his truth because the world that we are in, the culture, the spirit of the age is very much against that truth. You see, truth is embodied in Jesus, but truth is also embedded in every heart. See, when God created us, we were all marked by his truth. Humanity was marked. We were made to be conduits. We were made in the image of God to be bearers of this light, bearers of the spirit of truth. As a result of the fall, though, even though we were hardwired for this truth, our motherboard got corrupted. All of a sudden now, we find ourselves the enemy came and distorted and, and, and manipulated and twisted the very foundation of truth. What's interesting to me, when people talk about, you know, absolute truth, is one of the interesting things is because it's like if you just, to, to stay with computer terms, you know, it's like you can delete something from your computer, but still there's cookies. Y'all know what I'm talking about on computers, where there's like a digital or there's, a, there, there's an imprint. There's trails where we, you can tell where something that so, you, this, this was here once. There was a time where this was present. And the conscious is, is kind of like one of these cookies where even those that aren't following Jesus still have a sense. There are these echoes of the truth that say this is right and this is wrong. Even those that would maybe not say that they're a follower of God, they might even call themselves atheists, still have a sense that rape is a wrong thing. There's many that still have a sense that if you come and you rob from me, this might not be a good situation and someone should be persecuted, correct? Correct? Y'all with me? Because we were wired for this truth, but there is an enemy of the truth. And we cannot be ignorant to it. See, Jesus, when he was presenting the truth, he went and, and this was kind of a pattern. Jesus experienced this on the earth. We see Paul often experiencing this uh, in, in Acts and, and throughout the epistles where Jesus and Paul, they would often, they'd come to the synagogue. They'd come to the chosen people. They'd come to the Jews. And when they would speak, because it went against a lot of the religious mindsets, they found themselves at odds with the spirit of the age and, and coming against the lie of the enemy. Jesus puts it very plainly as to why people and why they could not hear the truth. He says it in John chapter 8, verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. God, if God is the embodiment, if Jesus is the embodiment of truth, if all that he is is true, if all that is good and true comes from him, 
the enemy, our adversary, the adversary of the Lord, you can better believe that if his name is the father of lies, he's probably real good at it. And if someone is good at lying, like what makes a lie really good is that either we want it to be true or it seems it has enough strains of truth in it to deceive us. And so what we see is though truth once resided in us, as a result of the fall, there is an all-out onslaught on the truth. The enemy wants you to walk in confusion. Paul warns about this. He warns Timothy that there will be a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They won't want to hear the truth, but they'll have itching ears and they'll accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. They'll turn away from listening to truth and they'll wander off into myths. Paul also exhorts that there will be people within the church that will be like wolves in sheep's clothing. That they will spin the truth in a way that allows them to manipulate others. We can find all over this battle for the truth. Sometimes, like I said before, sometimes we, we can gravitate towards a lie because it might actually allow us to keep some of our idols and our gods in our lives. Sometimes when it talks about people will have itching ears, for a time will come when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that will accumulate themselves, teachers that suit their own passions. One of my pastors and mentors, Dr. Rice Brooks, he used to always say, every step you take away from God, there will be a group of people telling you that you're doing the right thing. If you want to find if you want to find a church and a pastor that will endorse your pet sin, you will find it. We live in an age where there are plenty of spiritual options where you can get somebody to co-sign your area of compromise. It grieves my heart. Now, you're not going to hear me come up and like post a picture of different pastors in the area and be like, avoid this guy. I'm not, that, that doesn't honor God. But we will come against the lie and bring the truth. Why? Because I understand the devil does not want you to walk in the truth. And there's lies and, and ways he does it is he endorses the things that he tries to come and, and, and twist it in a way that it makes us maybe feel good about ourselves or it makes us feel like we don't have to surrender certain areas of our lives. Sometimes he does it because he really ultimately the enemy doesn't want you to walk in freedom. So one of the myths that people throw at the scripture or half-truths that people throw about the Bible to discredit the word as truth, particularly within the African-American community, is that this Bible, this, this scripture, these old archaic religions are just used, it was written to oppress black people, to condemn women, to enslave those that had come over through the African slave trade. Sad truth is, some of these scriptures absolutely were used in that way but it's because the enemy twisted and manipulated and only gave partial truth. So one of the things that shook me to my core, and I just, so we were walking in the impact of the Bible, is there's a section 
about the impact of the Bible in American slavery. And one of the ways that slave owners would use the scripture to manipulate the slaves is they actually only gave them partial Bibles. There were actual copies of partial Bibles that were printed in England, shipped to these slave owners that had removed Exodus, that had removed everything about the freeing of slaves in the year of Jubilee, so that they just had enough scriptures that they could be controlled and manipulated by the owners. The enemy will give you just a little bit He'll feed you just a little bit to manipulate you and keep you captive and keep you bound. But it was amazing as men and women began to read about God and a God who came to free a slaved people, the power and the impact that that would would have. Because the truth was not just embodied in Christ. The truth is not just embedded in the heart. The truth empowers us to walk in freedom. When you read in Ephesians and it talks about putting on the full armor of God and you've got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the one offensive weapon in this amazing demonstration of putting on the full armor of God is the word of God. He says the sword of the spirit. This word, God wants us to have his truth because the truth can cut through the lie. The truth can cut through the deception. He's given us his word so that we don't have to walk around in confusion. And it's important that we not only have his word, but we abide in it and we read it for ourselves. I tell you all the time, when I give you these scriptures, I don't want you to just hear it and then forget about it. I want you to write these things down. Take notes. Go to, your, go, to, go to your own Bible. Take these notes out. Read it and see if I'm lying to you. Like LeVar Burton said, you don't have to take my word for it. Come on, reading Rainbow. I want you to take this. This is so that you are empowered and equipped. This isn't like the days of old where only the priest had the scripture and and it was all in Latin and the common person couldn't really approach and engage the scripture for themselves. You have access to this word. I want us to be a people that are full of the truth of God. And we can talk about translations and we can talk about different perspectives but at the end of the day if we can all come to a place of understanding where his word is the anchor of our souls that we got something to work with then we get to a place where his word defines and refines us instead of us trying to constantly change and to redefine the word of God that's the culture that we are in that's the culture where we're in where people begin to read the scripture and because this is uncomfortable This is going to get me uninvited from the company party. They were like, well, he probably didn't mean that. And all-knowing God probably didn't forecast what was going to happen in 2018. And so we're like, I'll take that out. I'll take that out. I can't use that. God wants us to experience the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Now, If his truth is so good, 
And if it truly does empower us, then how can we walk in it? How can we understand it? Maybe you've, you've tried to engage the Bible before, but it has felt very confusing. Or maybe much of what you heard about the Bible, you, maybe you grew up in a very legalistic, religious environment, and all you can remember about the experience of God is just all of the rules and the do's and don'ts. Sometimes we avoid things that make us feel condemned or shameful, and so that's what you got. That's what you understood. You only got a partial truth. When we think about truth, we think of maybe being on trial, where you go to a courtroom and it's, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And so every time we think about the truth, we can't separate the truth from the law. And so we avoid or we try to stay away from applying the truth or allowing God's truth to impact the areas of deceit or deception or sin in our lives because all we think about is being guilty and we don't like to walk in that. And that's, not, that's, just, that's just real. Like nobody wants to walk in constant condemnation and shame, right? Anybody love to be walking in shame? You like walking in shame, condemnation, that's your jam. No? Okay, I thought so. And so we avoid it because in our minds, the truth is the law, and the law tells us that we're condemned and we're not good enough. Well, that's where the scripture, when we know his word and we read this word, it makes all the difference. I love verse 17 in John 1. It said, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Christ. See, the reality is all of us are guilty. None of us, none of us have lived a perfect life. None of us could perfectly fulfill the law. None of us could honor all of the Ten Commandments. Even the most well-intentioned of us, even the ones that grew up, you were born in a pew, you went to youth group, you did all the acquire fire events, you've memorized every newsboy song that has ever been sung over the last 35 years. <laughs> even, even those people. You went and you did mission year, or you went on a missions trip, and you've done all of the things, even you, are guilty. None of us could fulfill it. But the whole truth is that God in his great love and in his mercy came to us. That Jesus came so that the good news and the whole truth is not just the law, but it's that the grace of God has been manifest in the word made flesh. In the truth that came with us. So that by his sacrifice and by his blood, whenever the law comes against us, his grace sustains us. Jesus is the beginning of this whole thing. That's the whole truth. See, when we know his whole truth, we don't have to walk in condemnation. We don't have to avoid the truth. We don't have to be afraid of the conflict. We don't have to be afraid. Some people say, well, this word judges. No, this word brings life. It does. It brings judge and condemnation to the liar, to the deceiver, to the slaver. I don't know about you. I want slavers to be condemned. I want our eternal, I want not the eternal because he's not eternal. I want our temporary enslaver, the enemy, Satan, who has tried to bind people, who has tried to mentally hold people captive, physically hold people captive, keep people deceived in generations in bondage and condemnation. I want him to be cast in the lake of fire. I want us to be able to walk in the freedom that God purchased for us. 
there was, there's a holiday that a lot of people forget about and, and one that's recognized often within the, the African-American community. And it's Juneteenth. A lot of people go, what's Juneteenth? We didn't get a day off. And Juneteenth is a time that there were people who had been enslaved and the word of the emancipation of the slaves had not gotten to them. So even though a word said that they were free, they hadn't walked in the freedom yet because they didn't know it. Freedom is available for every person in here. His word says so. His truth is made available to you so you can walk in the freedom. Freedom from addiction has already been purchased for you. You just don't know it yet. Freedom from condemnation and shame has been purchased for you. It's been written. There's, there's receipts for this freedom. But so often we don't know it yet. God has made himself known. Scripture says that we need to abide in this word. As we abide in his word, that his truth begins to go at work in us. We want to encourage you to get signed up for a city group. We're going to continue with these thoughts about the truth because many of it is you need to know how to read this Bible. How, how do you understand? How can you interpret some of these scriptures? Do I have to know Greek? Do I need to know Hebrew? There's some basic, simple ways that, that you can understand how to read and how to know this truth. The other aspect of it is you've got to be around the people who are committed to this Bible as well. That it's not just the Reader's Digest. It's not just another thing. It's not just a, you know, a paperweight, the big family Bible. But that we're challenging ourselves and that we're digging into the Scripture. That we're pursuing His presence. That we're pursuing the person of truth and not just an idea of truth. If we will embrace this, you will find freedom that you didn't know you had. You will find power that you had no idea you had access to. It's amazing how when you begin to speak the word of God over your life and you begin to say what he says about you rather than regurgitating or listening to the lies of the people that are around you or the culture that's around us, all of a sudden you feel new power. You start to feel full of his joy because you've been walking emaciated because of a lack of nourishment. And now all of a sudden, there's strength, there's life, because you're being fed. And you begin to release this aroma of the goodness of God. One of the reasons that I just pray that we would all grow to be just full and hung, just ravenous for God's word is because when the word of God is in you, not only does it come out when you speak it, but many times you can't, you can't suppress the truth. It's a fragrance of God that comes off of you. I'll say this last thing, and then I just want to pray for you. But When I was a kid, probably around 12, 
we were part of a church plant that met in the old Western Electric building off of Shadeland. And at the time, next to it was this massive baking complex that was owned by Hostess uh, that makes, you know, all the rolls and the Twinkies. Um, but at the time, they were making Wonder Bread. And back then when I was 12, I wasn't much of a morning person. And we would get up early. My dad was a worship leader, so we'd have to get up early. We'd have to do the whole setup thing. And so we'd get loaded in the car. I would try to sleep until we got there. But when we get about two miles out from the location, I would usually wake up because all of a sudden when we got about that distance from the church, the smell of this amazing bread being baked would just hit us. And I was like, ooh, yes, Lord, I rise. And I loved it. I loved that location. We moved, and I wanted to go back just for that. But my prayer is that as we truly walk in the full truth and grace of Jesus, the, as we feast of his word and we feast at his table, not just to look for a quick scripture that we can throw on Facebook to push our pet point or to condemn somebody or to get them, manipulate them to do what we want, but as we feast on his word to truly know him, that we would be so filled with his goodness, his joy, his life, his freedom, that when people come around us, they are awakened by it. That when people come within the vicinity of the Avondale Meadows YMCA, that they can tell something is different. Because we're not just another place, a gathering of opinions. We're not just another place where you can play music and hear something that calms your itching ear that we are full of, the, full of the bread of life, that we are full of this truth, that we are full of Jesus. That's what's going to change our city. That's what's going to change us. That's who we're called to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word that you've given us, your word that is life, your word that is sustaining your word that is powerful. Lord, I ask that you would place in us a hunger. Lord, a hunger that cannot be satisfied by anything but you. Lord, I know even as your word is being preached and even as we think about reading your word and digging into your scriptures, many times we can be overwhelmed or we can just think of the to-do list of things and there's just another thing I have to do and it becomes this cumbersome thing because we can't think of the time that we have to dig in and how do I do this and do I have to have this concordance and do I have to have this translation and all of these things the enemy uses to kind of get us exhausted and, and discouraged and defeated before we even crack open the book. Lord, I pray that your spirit would draw people and invite them. Lord, that we would press beyond just developing the discipline of digging into your word, into a place of delight. Lord, that you would help us, God. 
Lord, not just to dismiss and say we don't have time, but to make and create margin for your word. Understanding, Lord, it is a place of refreshing. It is a place of freedom. It is a place of life. Lord, I ask that you would help those that are far from you just begin to take the next step forward. If you're here this morning and maybe you grew up in the church or around church people, maybe even prayed a prayer when you were younger, but for you, you had only sensed or you only felt like you had a partial truth. You've avoided coming to church. You've avoided digging into a spiritual family. Maybe you ba- you've bounced around a couple times and you just stick around until things get uncomfortable and then look for another place to run. The Lord wants you to find rest. He, he, he wants you to know you don't have to be afraid. His grace is sufficient enough. He has provision for you. He has healing for your soul that you so desperately want but have been looking for in so many other places that continue to disappoint. You will only find that healing in him. If that's you, I really want to encourage you. Get prayer today. We have people that would love to pray with you. Encourage you to come to City Central after the service today. We want to love on you and help you take that next step. Lord, I ask that you'd help and give courage. That you'd give courage to those who have been wandering to take that next step in you. And open our eyes, open our ears to receive all of you and all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.